the time. And, and looking back, I guess I got to a point where I was completely burnt out. But most people didn't have a clue. Morning. How are you? Fine. Um, most people didn't have a clue. Um, they wouldn't have noticed. Perhaps that's the loneliness that can come with leadership. Just as an aside, be kind to your leaders. Be kind to your elders. Nigel didn't pay me to say that. <laughs> not much. Not much. Didn't pay me much. Be, be kind to them. Pray for them. Encourage them. It is an incredibly noble task. But if you read the Bible, the responsibility is enormous and a responsibility before God. I mean, it's significant. Be kind to them. Pray for them. Um, personally at the time I'm not sure I noticed either I just carried on I just carried on but Rachel did notice Um, emotionally unavailable short fuse at home apparently and I don't remember this I described it as just feeling numb nothing I think I got to a point where I felt I felt nothing I, I, I lost hope ground down worn out Labored all night and caught nothing. As you can read in the Bible, we labored all night and caught nothing, but Jesus hadn't come. It's tough. Recently, there were two men in our village that, on separate occasions, very sadly, within the last couple of months, had took their own lives. All right? One was my age young <laughs> one, one guy was in his he was in his 80s both really affable no one would have ever known despite living in such a picture perfect place I guess they had lost hope too and before you think it can't affect Christian men well great Christian men anyway um, think again so C.H. Spurgeon the prince of preachers the guy that preached to hundreds of thousands of people, saw thousands of people saved, lives transformed, planted hundreds of churches, a great pastor, a great father, a great husband, um, battled depression most of his adult life. Messy, ugly, dirty depression. It was so intense that, uh, that he once said, like Job in the Bible, I'd rather choose strangling and death than life. Spurgeon said that. Men are not great at talking about this stuff. I'm generalizing. You're probably much better than me. Men are not great at talking about this kind of stuff. I mean, really talking, not nice middle-class talking. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm okay. I mean, honest, vulnerable talking or listening. I mean, listening to honest, loving, I've got your back voices to honest loving wounds of a friend are faithful type voices perhaps it maybe feels like a bit scary or it's just not what we do but the bible says pay attention to yourself know yourself and your doctrine in that order it's no good knowing all the theology in the world if you don't know yourself and you haven't got friends that are there that will speak truth in love 
to you. So anyway, back to our story. I, I, I think I just lost hope or lost sight of hope. And it just made me think, if you've not got hope, you've not got anything. You've, you've not got anything. Hope's not a feeling. Hope's not a mantra. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping. Life's going to be good. I'm just manifesting. That's what they say nowadays. Hope is not a feeling. It's not a mantra. It's not a self-help book. It's not a promise of an easy, suffering-free life. Hope is about truth. Hope is the anchor that holds us, holds me, holds us steady. Hope is a person, and that person is Jesus. Right? There's something important. There's something important here. Even in the darkest times, reminding yourself of what he said. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, I am with you. When your enemies are surrounding you, the people that say bad things about you, the people that hate you, or whatever it is, I am with you. Something about reminding ourselves of what he said, even when you've forgotten about it. Focusing on what he said, even when you don't feel it. Choosing to believe what he said, even when you're doubting it. And appropriating what he said with the help of others. You said it, Lord, I'm going to believe. Because you are faithful. And, and looking back, being honest, I'm not sure I did much of that. I didn't. It's being honest. I'm not sure I did much of that. But even then... There was grace, grace in the form of friends who carried me, who supported me, who were there for me, grace from the Lord. I'll say it again, listen to this. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow, you are with me. Even during that dark, depressing place when I'd lost hope, he was there. So, in all my confusion, one of the things clear to me from the Bible is that God made us whole people. Whole people, yeah? We're not brains on sticks. Well, you might be, but I'm not. We're not, we're not brains on sticks, okay? Um, God is interested, is what that means, in the whole of us. Mind, body, soul, thoughts, feelings, eating, sleeping, um, physical health, emotional health, everything. And the Bible says he is Lord of all. So when the psalmist says, with my whole heart... I will praise you. That's with all of me, with everything about me. So for me, that led me to think, I need to make some practical changes. And making practical changes was just as spiritual as going to church, reading the Bible and praying. Do all that stuff as well. Definitely, definitely do all that stuff. But also diet, exercise, work, habits, all exposed to the light of loving counsel antidepressants from the GP, yep, all of that stuff. With my whole heart, my whole being, I will praise you and bring everything into line with the counsel of God because he's interested in all of it, everything. So coming into land, um, and I'll hand over to Rachel, it's been a long, bumpy journey, and it's a work in progress. You know, sometimes I think, look back and go, what was that about, Lord? Do you ever get that? Lord, you're good, Lord, but what was that about? Man. But God promises, is what Jesus says in Matthew, there's grace for today. There's grace for today. And even when there's been wrong choices or wrong thinking, and there have been, 
God has been gracious. <laughs> After all, in Joel um, 2.25, the Lord says, I will restore what was wrecked by the locusts. I will restore and more the utter devastation and destruction done by the locusts. Right, I could, I could end it there. And I could leave you thinking, oh, how honest, how brave, or how stupid. <laughs> Probably all of those things are true. I'm a big boy, I can take all those things. Um, but one of the things that I think often gets missed out in talking about these things is the other side. The wife who bears with all the depression, the wife who chooses to support her husband, to love the one who's there but not there. The one who cares for the children, who chooses to care for the children alone. So I want you to hear from Rachel about how she walked with Jesus, journeyed with Jesus, followed Jesus through depression. It was really hard. <laughs> really hard. Um, Julian has said, described himself as numb. I felt I couldn't reach him. It was like trying to reach something that's not, not really there. Um, he was like a shell at home, um, had a short temper, took that out on various members of our family. Um, and to be perfectly honest, I was quite angry. I was like, for goodness sake. Now, I've got to hold the family together. People in the general public didn't know because he was working and you know leading the church. And then he'd come home and he's absolutely nothing. There's no capacity. There's no... There's just nothing, and that's really hard. And I was upset. I was really upset because it wasn't really what I'd signed up for. Um, and um, I was really upset on the impact it was having on our family because, again, it's not, it's not what you hope for, is it? It's not, you know, when you've got little children. You yeah, anyway. Um, and I felt unseen because it's really hard being the person that's supporting. Not, you know, it's hard being the sick person. Um, anyway, I'll come back to that. And it just felt that there was no end in sight. I was like, is this it now? Is this, is this it? I don't know. And, um, you know, from Julian's point of view, he was pretty much like, well, what's the point? And from my point of view, I was like, well, I can't do this anymore. This is way beyond my own abilities, and actually I don't want to. Um, and I think it's in this context a lot of relationships can unravel. Um, and I'm really grateful to God that he preserved that, preserved us from that. Um, and I felt sort of God say to me, don't close the book too soon. What I mean by that is, you know when you're reading a story and you, get, you read a story and then in the middle there's something bad that happens, but in a traditional fairy story we all know what happens at the end, you know, the prince comes or the, you know, whatever happens, the goose lays the egg, I don't know. Anyway, something good happens, but we know, we, go, we travel through that bad bit knowing that the good bit's coming. But actually in real life, when you're in the bad bit, you don't know what, what's coming. Then we might even get to the good bit, I don't know. But I felt God say to me, don't close the book too soon. Because if you give up and you opt out in that bad bit, you aren't going to get to the good bit. And we had to trust that God had better for us, that he was going to journey with us, as June said through that psalm, to get to the good bit, to get to the better bit. And so maybe that might help some of you. Don't, don't check out too soon. Um, and God gives us grace and mercy for each day. In Lamentations, um, that's in the Old Testament, um, it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And um, 
One of the things I just said I was um, upset about was the impact on the family. And so when we were preparing this talk, I asked our children um, what they remember of that time. And actually, they're all adults now, but they they had very little memory. I don't know if it's got blocked it out because it was so traumatic, I don't know. But they had, they had very little memory, and actually it hasn't cast a shadow over their whole childhood like I was worried it was going to. Actually, when they recall their childhood, that was a small part of a much better story. So, um, yeah, so I'm grateful for that as well. Um, And just to say that God places us in families. We're not called to journey alone. So Julian's already mentioned, you know, strong friends around you that carry you through those times. And obviously church family being really, really important. Um, And actually, this is funny because I'm going to say something similar to what Julian's already said about our leaders and our elders because they are God-given and they're really important. At the time Julian was suffering with depression, um, it was a really difficult time in the church. There was a lot of criticism um, about the church, about how the church was being run, um, there was no allowance really given, and the people, the way people expressed their unhappiness or concern was not really very helpful. And so I just want to say, because I'm not in leadership now, <laughs> so I can say it, and half the elders aren't even here, so that's even better. Um, be kind, be kind to them. These guys and their wives and their families, they carry a lot, and they've really got your backs, and they've. They love you guys. They want to shepherd you well, and they want to take you to the good stuff. And sometimes we don't know where the good stuff is. And sometimes they might make mistakes because actually they're only people. Um, But just be kind. It's not that you can't have a voice. Obviously you can. But when you express it, just just be kind. Anyway. Um, yeah, so I was saying about it's hard to be the sick one and it's hard to be the supporting one. And I think as a supporting person, your needs can be overlooked or they're less obvious. Um, and But the, the shadow that was over Julian was also over us as a family. Like, you're, you're, you're covered by that same shadow, except it's not you, you know. Um, but I just want to say that God sees you. God sees through all that darkness. In Psalm 139, verse 11... It says, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day, for the darkness is as light with you. God sees you. He sees through all the shadow. He sees you in that dark, dark place. Um, And I was reminded, um, my friend Suzanne had a word uh, a couple of weeks ago about an an artist's easel. And on on that easel are lots of different colours. And some of the colours are dark. They're dark colours. And you can think, like Jean said, what's the point of them? Like, why are they there? But actually, the artists use all the colours to make a really vibrant picture. And nothing is wasted with God. Nothing is wasted. He will use everything for his glory and to bring you to the good stuff. So just to encourage you with that, in Romans 8.28, um, it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And I think the other thing I wanted to say um, is that God can use you in spite of brokenness. It says in uh, 2 Corinthians verse 9, the Lord said to me, that's Paul, um, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And I think there's a tendency that we can think we have to have it all sorted before God can use use us. But actually the opposite is true. He's waiting for us to realize we can't do it on our own. And in fact, that we need him 
and we need to let him in. And in Matthew 11:28, I'm just going to finish with this. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I just want to say there's an opportunity this morning to come and meet, meet with Jesus. If you don't know him, come. If you do and you need some refreshing, come. If you need to put down the heavy load, come. When I was getting ready this morning, um, I took the dog for a walk. And when I put his lead on, that dog's got silly big floppy ears. And as I put the lead over his head, I felt his ears. He had loads of those little grassy balls stuck in his ear. And I was like, oh, for goodness sake. Um, but God just spoke to me through that. And like, as we're going through life, we can pick up things that stick to us. We don't even know they're there. And actually, we can't get them out ourselves. We need someone else to say, come, you know, give that to me. Because you've walked through some stuff. And I just want to take that from you. And I feel that's what God was saying to some people this morning. Just come. He wants to take your stuff that's got stuck for your journey of life. I don't know what it is, but he does. So um, I'm going to leave it there. Julian's going to play a song for us. I think the words are going to come up. I just invite you just to take a minute, see what God might say to you. And, um, and I'll let Nigel take it from there. This is a song called Gracious. And um, you can just, yeah, just, just listen to it and I'll try and wrestle with this microphone. As I play it, when you think about some things we've said, not because we're clever or they're good or anything, I just want you to listen to what God may be saying to you um, through us. And how this is an opportunity to get rid of those sticky little bits in your ears, whatever they might be. Um, an opportunity to receive hope when you might have actually given up hope. Time and time again Feeling like I failed you I've let down a friend My heart is Tried it on my own Ended up in pieces Nothing good to show I need you What if your love is bigger than my mess what if your grace can heal my brokenness Face to find 
Father who is gracious, wherever in your eyes a mercy. What if your love is bigger than my mess? What if your grace can heal my broken? Can heal my brokenness. 